Just in the Christian tradition, why we gather weekly on Sundays is we're remembering the resurrection every week, whether the calendar says Easter or not. Um, but there is something special about Easter, just that we get to remember because we forget. We get to remember that death is conquered. Sin, our rebellion, is conquered through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's why we come here and gather to worship. And so I'm really glad you're here. Um, especially if maybe if this is your first time at the church. I know for a lot of our folks, Easter was kind of like a first step into this community. So I'm glad that you could be taking that and you could be here with us. It's a, it's, it's a special day because we're also going to be celebrating some baptisms after a little bit here, after I share a bit. So it's always a great visible example of what God is doing. But I, I want to talk about Christmas for a minute. And some of you think, man, this, this dude's like... He's, he's, his brain's kind of scrambled. He got his Christian calendar confused. Why does he want to talk about Christmas? Here's what I mean. At Christmas, we celebrate the idea that God left the glory of heaven to come and to live among us in the form of a human being. I mean, it was a plan with, with the potential for tremendous beauty because God was proclaiming this message that he's always loved us, but now he desired in the form of Christ to come and actually walk and dwell among his creation. He was choosing to display his love in this new way. So it was an amazing plan, and it's why we celebrate Christmas every year, the coming of Christ. But, but we got to also realize that it was a plan that had a lot of potential for failure. I mean, it could have been a giant disaster because God was interjecting himself into this world, but the way he was doing it, he was taking the form of you and I. He was taking the form of real skin, real flesh, real blood, real bones. It wasn't like Jesus was going to come do a tourist thing and like come through the slums of the earth and, you know, do a little sightseeing. It's, oh, man, these people are messed up. Oh, but I'm going to go to my four-star hotel at night and kind of rest. That's not what he, he, he was coming to dwell in all of the pain, in all of the agony. God, in the form of Jesus, would come into this world, and though Jesus was still fully God, yet he was also fully man. And, and that meant Jesus didn't come in, like, bulletproof skin, or, or disease-proof cells. He came in a body that could be broken. He came in skin that could be torn and cut and bleed. He came in flesh that could get weary and hungry. He came with tears that could be shed. He came with desires that could be tempted. He came with loyalty that could be betrayed and stomped upon. And he came with a heart that could be broken, just like you and me. And some of you might have experienced some of those things I just listed. As our representative high priest, Jesus, he would experience all of the pain and the brokenness that sometimes leaves you awake at night wondering if you're going to make it to tomorrow. I don't know if we're allowed to talk like that on Easter Sunday because this must be a cheery occasion. You look all pretty here, look like models. Um, but some of us, we can't sleep at night. We're depressed because we have pain. We have suffering. We have hurt. We've hurt others. We struggle in guilt of what we've done. We struggle in shame of what's been done to us. We can't sleep because we have anxiety. It's crazy. We need all these things to keep us up during the day because we haven't slept at night. Coffee and medication. And then we need medicine to sleep at night because we can't sleep at night because we're worried about how we're going to make it to tomorrow. And this vicious cycle. And ultimately, that leads Jesus to the one destiny that's common to every single human being ever born upon this earth, and that's the death of his body. 
And on a Friday some 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, who had entered this world full of life and hope like every little baby does, um, found his body broken and his dead corpse hanging from this tree in the shape of a cross. And the world had never known such darkness, such brokenness. But here's the thing, guys. Here's why it's always good news, right? On the third day, uh, something happened, something beautiful, something extraordinary, something marvelous happened. Because we read, just like the little kitties read, that as some of Jesus' closest friends came early in the morning, and, and just to throw in there, it was women who first discovered they were the courageous ones, women going to find Jesus. Um, they were looking to pay their respects. But they found this empty tomb where his body had been laid. And Jesus was risen. Amen? Jesus was risen. We find out the death and sorrow that is so common to our stories doesn't get to win. God wins. That's what the resurrection shows. God wins. And we read that eventually Jesus revealed himself to some of these disciples that he had journeyed with. And listen to a description. It's up on the screen from Luke chapter 24, starting verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is, that it is my eye myself. Touch me and see. For spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And they, while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. And, and if, if maybe for some of us, we've never read the Bible before, I'm tremendously glad you're here. But if you've never read any of the stories of Jesus and, and his interactions with his followers, and this is the only story you ever heard, um, from the way that the disciples were responding to Jesus' resurrected body, you would it would be understandable if you thought that he had kept this whole thing a surprise. And like he's some practical joker. And, like, he kept it in his pocket, and they're all hanging out thinking he's dead. And they're all sorry, ha surprises me! Like one of those hidden camera shows. You would have thought that from the way they responded, right? Like, well, I didn't know this was going to go. And, but if you read throughout the stories, you realize Jesus was constantly telling them, yo, guys, this, is, this gig's good, but I am going to die. I'm going to be raised from the grave, though. And they, they never remember that part, right? But I'm going to be raised from the grave. And, and though, um, though they would have, like, really argued against him, um, they shouldn't have been surprised because it's exactly how Jesus described it was going to go down. But I need to imagine that no matter how well they would have been prepared, there's no prepping for this. No matter, I mean, th there's no seminar on how to recognize a resurrected body. There, I mean, there's just no way to train for that. So it makes sense that it describes here that the disciples were startled and they were frightened upon seeing Jesus. Why does Jesus have to say, peace be with you? Because they're not going to have much peace when they see a resurrected Jesus. Especially the one that they just heard died. And they had to hear it because they, they weren't actually there. Because most of them all ran off. They had to hear second hand, third hand. And suddenly, out of the air is someone who wasn't there just a minute before. Yeah, peace be with you. You, you would be freaked out too, as would I. But the thing that I then find remarkable in the midst of all that is Jesus seems to have come back in the very same form that he had before he died. That just amazes me. I mean, he tells him in verse 39 to touch him and see. He's got the same flesh and bones that he did before he died. I love verse 41 where Jesus asks, yo, hey, is there anything to eat? <laughs> 
I love that. He's like, I- I've been somewhere for a few days. I'm kind of hungry. You-, you got something? And he's asking for some grub because he's hungry and he eats a piece of fish. This is no ghost. This is like a real flesh and blood who needs to eat for sustenance. Another account in another one of the Gospels, we're told that Jesus, he still carries the marks of his crucifixion. He still got the scars because one of his followers wouldn't believe that was actually him until he saw the scars. So this Jesus, he came back with real flesh, real blood, real hunger, real scars. And why that is significant for you and me as we sit here this morning thinking about the story, why we celebrate Christmas is because it's still true. Jesus came into this world in all the pain all the, and, and everything we talk about Christmas, Easter reminds us that's true because that's how he comes back again. God entered this world of ours with all of its reality, including all of the pain and all of the hurt. And, and as we learned that Jesus died... And, and he's gloriously resurrected from the grave. It would be understandable if you and I thought that, yo, he must have come back and come in some like mutated form, like super Jesus, like some X-Men mutated version of Jesus. Like he come back with wings or something and like, yo, peace be with you. Oh, it's you, Jesus. Yes, it is me. And like wings come out. Yeah. Guess who's back? Sequel. No, I mean, it, it would be understandable. But it doesn't seem like his appearance was drastically altered. I think that's why they're freaked out. Because it's still him. He's right back here in this world as before. before. He's still an Aramaic-speaking Jewish man. He's still got sandals on his feet. There's no wings. He's still got sandals on his feet. He's still limited to being in one physical place at a time. I mean, he can like walk through the wall. I mean, we can't do it, but he's still limited to be in one place at a time physically. He's still only got two arms, so he can only really hug one or maybe two people at a time. It's not like he got special super Jesus arms. He can hug the whole world now. Still only got two arms. He, he still only got one set of lips and one mouth, so he can only still have one conversation physically at a time. Though the resurrected Jesus was perfect and glorified, he comes back right in the same body that he has always had. And, and here's why I'm talking about it, because a lot of times when we talk about the resurrection, we're, we're, we often talk about the hope that we have for heaven when we die. And I want to clearly affirm we believe in heaven. We believe in eternity. We believe eternity can be spent uh, in joy with God or in sorrow and pain apart from God. But we also need to recognize this resurrected Jesus, he comes in real flesh and real blood and and real scars. And he meets us right here and right now in this world. Even as he prepares us for heaven. Because when we understand the significance that Jesus has risen, it's a sign that God has ushered into being his new world. His new kingdom. And now... Those who are the redeemed followers of Jesus, those of you, maybe some of you in this room that say, yeah, I follow Jesus. My life has been transformed. Now we got a new role in the world. We got a new job responsibility. And here's how I describe it. When Jesus rose from the dead, he announced in a really, really emphatic way that God was reclaiming the truth and beauty of his original creation. When he rose from the grave, God was just boom and saying, okay, here's how it went down. You want to know how I created everything? It was good. There was none of this suffering that, you know, no of this pain. 
So in a world that has become tainted, and that's become ugly, and that's become polluted with sin, the resurrection, it was the foundation for a new way of life. Jesus was putting a stamp on saying, everything is going to be made new, whether political, cultural, social, everything. And we're given a glimpse of this, of this vision, of this new uh, kingdom, this new city in the book of Revelation. And in Revelation chapter 21, it's up on the screen, starting in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. I love that one line in scripture. I am making all things new. Because sometimes when we think of how this world will end and heaven and earth and all that stuff, sometimes we, you even hear, maybe some of you even say, it's like, man, I can't wait to get off this, like, this thing that's burning up and hell, earth is going to hell and good riddance because it's jacked up and it's painful and it's added to my pain. I'm glad when I can, like, fly away and go to heaven, right? Even on songs like that, let me fly away to go to heaven. But, but when we look in scripture, the, the picture is, yeah, there's fire, there's burning, but it's not a destroying kind of fire. It's a renewing kind. It's a purging one. It's a refining fire. It's burning off the evil, dark stuff and making it the way it was intended to be. And this new city will descend. And, and God will dwell with us perfectly without all that other crud that gets in the way. And rather than destroying everything, what God says in the resurrection, hey, I'm giving you a glimpse of what it's going to look like. Um, Jesus coming back, he got his same form. That's what I'm going to do with this whole thing called earth. Because remember when I, I created it and made all those nice things and made all the bears and made all the trees and, and I said it was good? I still believe that. It's still good. And now we're going to make it the way it was supposed to be. Remember that whole thing called sin? There's going to be no more of that. <laughs> We are going to be able to live out the way we were intended to. And that's why our work as the redeemed people of God, the church, this is why it's so important, guys. Because you and I, you and I are given the privilege of displaying this new life of heaven into the actual physical reality of this earth. In this way, Jesus' resurrection, um, it's the beginning of God's new mission. Not just to grab people away from earth to transport them to heaven, but to bless and to renew earth while we are here with the life of heaven. Does that make sense? That while we're here, we're actually living out what heaven is intended to be when we dwell perfectly with God. And movie previews are a fascinating thing, right? Right now, probably the biggest movie that just came out was that whole Superman versus Batman or Batman versus Superman. I don't know who gets highest billing with that. And I I don't know if you saw the previews. Previews were epic. You're like, wow, this is going to be the most amazing movie everywhere. And then it came out and it's like, Ben Affleck said, you know, all this, all this crazy stuff. Like the worst movie. Why was it so bad? I don't think it's just the movie was bad, but the expectations, the previews made it look like it was going to be epic. It wasn't. In in kind of an opposite way, 
what we are doing now, living our life, even in our brokenness, is we're kind of like a preview for what's to come in the perfect kingdom. We're not perfect yet. We're still working out our salvation. We still got sin and brokenness. All you need to do is walk in the street for an hour, right, to know that? But what we're doing as we live our lives together as the people of God, as a church, is we're able to proclaim and say, hey, you know what? Yeah, our world is broken. It's jacked up. It's painful. I know sometimes the biggest thing you want to do is leave this world, but there's a day coming when that's not going to be anymore. I know you're familiar with abuse because that's all you've known in your life. There's a day coming when it's not going to be, and that's why we love one another. I know you've struggled with addictions and you've seen the rampant effects of like um, uh, just addictions to different things, whether it's food or narcotics or sex or whatever. You've seen how it's crushed things. But we're talking about a new faith that transforms our desires and what we want. And ultimately, one day there's coming, you're not going to struggle with those desires. All you're going to want to do is worship God. I know right now racism looks like it's all over the place and people hate each other, xenophobic and hating, and and just, it looks like we're never going to get, but what we get to do in the church now is we start to say, what does it look like with people who are very different, loving one another, crossing boundaries, because ultimately there's a kingdom coming when we are going to look very different, but it says that we're all going to bow down before God together. And we get to live some of that out now. I know for some of us, poverty just crushes us, whether you're a recipient of it or whether you observe it. You just hate that there's this disparity between people who seem to have way more than they ever need and some people who can't eat today. And you're like, man, this just stinks. And you know, we can say, yeah, it does stink. But there's a day coming when when that's not going to be what defines us. And as a church now, because we're renewed, we get to start to live that out with one another. We get to live out what does it look like for us, and we're never going to be perfect yet, but what does it look like for us to be generous and to start to say we're not going to let ourselves be divided by what we have or what we don't have. Man, I look at our world, and I'm just upset with just the sexism and, and just some countries, if you're born a woman, that's almost like a death sentence and being trafficked and being abused, and I hate that. And as a church, we get to say, what does it look like for in the renewed community of God where men and women honor one another and care for one another? And the way that the world says how men should view women, how women should view men, we say, no, we believe in a new kingdom that's coming. That one day we are going to all stand before God, perfect in our roles, loving one another, caring for, honoring one another. And we get to try to live that out now, as imperfect as we might be in it. Basically, we're making the invisible kingdom, because we can talk about heaven and people are like, wow, what you talking about, man? I need some bigger. We're that visible part of it. <laughs> we're not perfect. But we get to say, here's what's coming. And here's a little preview. I know it's a little grainy right now. It's not in high def. One day, man, I call me super high def. We're a little grainy. But here's a preview. Here's a glimpse of it. And honestly, we're coming up on about a year anniversary of the Baltimore unrest. Um, I mean, a little, little less than a month, I think. Or a little more than a month, probably. Um, just the anniversary of a tough time in Baltimore. And I've had people who, like, when they pray for us, they kind of do it in a pity, pitying manner outside the city. They're like, oh, man, it must be so hard. Are you okay? Are your little babies all right? We're praying for you. And, and it's almost like we're praying for you that you can get some things cleaned up so you can maybe move out of there one day. And, 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 and our mentality is, no. Yeah, it's broken. We're not stupid. Yeah, this city's tough. Yeah, there's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of hardness. And that's why we believe the church needs to be here. Because we have proclaimed, yeah, you know what? As jacked up as things look, God looks at that. 
And he's saying what he's going to be building out of that, what he's going to renew. And, and I, while we're still on this earth in this flesh, it's never going to be perfect. It's never, and, and I want to free you from that because some of you think we're going to do that perfectly while we're here. We're not. But there is a day coming when it will be. And I love how in the Bible it says things started in the garden in Genesis. And how does it end? In a city. God is going to renew his city. And as a small church, we get to live that out as well. And we get to live out what does it look like for a community to care for one another. To cross boundaries. To say, um, what would it look like for us to be different than what everyone has always known? You know why? Because God has brought his kingdom. You know how we know? Because Jesus' resurrected body was the evidence that he's making all things new. So how do I know this is going to happen? Um, I mean, I got, I got the Bible. I could just stop right there. I got the Bible. And the Bible talks all about that. But I, I also got evidence all right here. You, you want to know how I know this is happening? Because I see it through all of your lives here, the ones I've gotten to know here. Because I see scattered throughout this room many evidences of brokenness. Many of you have lived through abuse. Sexual. Mental. Physical. I mean, I, 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 I want to be careful. I don't talk about it lightly as a volume. I mean, it, but it's real. Some of us have endured secret shame of rape. Some of us have had your stuff stolen from you. Some of you have been in romantic relationships where someone promised you the world and, and they did a really good job of leaving this giant footprint on your heart. Some of us um, struggle every day with knowing how are we going to feed our family today. Some of us, and, and still now, we struggle with feeling some of our temptations we can never conquer. This is always going to define us. I'm always going to be addicted to sex. I'm always going to be addicted to heroin. Always going to be addicted to the bottle. Always going to be addicted to myself. And we don't usually throw that one in there, right? Always addicted to power. I'm going to always be addicted to success. But you know what I see? I see God taking that stuff you bring in and transforming you. I see God taking those things that have brought you pain and probably still bring you some pain if you think about it serious enough. But I see him actually using that to show you that his love is greater than even your brokenness. That the things that have always brought you shame and guilt and darkness is exactly the place where God is also going to meet you to bring you redemption and transform you. And that's why church is more than just this beautiful building or even this great service that we do. It's, it's the people that you walk with. And obviously, we're not yet fully formed, but it's a glimpse of what's to come. And it's the reason why we need to continue to talk about meeting together because we need to remind ourselves God's at work. Even if you don't feel it in you, he's at work. And, and I would suggest he is working in you. Sometimes when you don't feel he's working in you, that's evidence he is working in you. And it's why we got to keep running. So I, I want to invite you as you're here today, and you know, I, don't, I don't know why you're necessarily here, but if you're here because maybe like me, maybe something's broken in you. Maybe you realize there's something broken in you that no matter how religious you are or how many good things you do, no matter how hard you work, no matter how many degrees do you get behind your name, no matter how many months sober you are, 
that there's something within you that you just can't fix no matter how hard you try. Maybe you're like me. Is there something broken in you? I want to invite you to trust Jesus who showed you through the resurrection that he has the power to redeem you. Amen? Amen. Close your eyes with me for a second. Can I just ask you to do that? And again, hopefully we came here to celebrate resurrection power, and that's good, and be uplifted. But I want us to be uplifted in the right way, not personal power, not getting like a little Jesus vitamin today, but be uplifted by realizing the power that we actually talk about here. That when we're talking about the power that could resurrect Jesus from the grave and yet bring him back in the very same form, don't limit what God could do in your life. As you sit here today, right now, what is the biggest thing bringing you agony in your life? Is it your body not working correctly? Is it a, a family that's been, it's like dysfunctional doesn't even describe it? Is it mental illness that you just cannot shake? Is it a spiritual coldness? Whatever it might be for you, can I invite you? Don't be scared of God. Don't run from him. Bring it to him. Say, God, give me even the tiniest bit of faith to believe. If you could come back and as Jesus could come back from the grave, how can I think this is too small, too big for you? Take my depression. Take my addiction. Take my family. Take my fear. Take my worry. Take my guilt. Take my shame. And redeem it, Lord. Because the way that God works, he doesn't merely replace broken things in you. He redeems those broken things in you for his own glory and fame. He doesn't just replace the broken things in you. He takes those broken things and he redeems them. He changes them. He renews them for his own glory and fame and for your joy. So can I ask you for a minute, just pray. Pray on that. For some of you, maybe that means you say today, I I need a savior. I'm convinced I'm broken. I need to believe in someone who has the only power to be able to free and forgive me of my sin and shame and guilt. Jesus, meet me here today. So take a minute to do that right now. And I want to invite you, particularly maybe you wouldn't consider yourself religious. Maybe this is the first time you've been in church for a long time. Uh, Maybe you've thought what being a Christian is just about going to heaven and people have always told you, man, this is the way to get to heaven. But I'm going to suggest to you, if you have no hunger for God, heaven's not a very attractive thing. So what I would suggest to you more than just the ticket to heaven, I mean, that's part of it. But can I invite you to begin a journey now that will be perfected into eternity and to trust him today with your life? no matter how broken you might feel you are. Amen.